Frequency is a new weekly podcast focused on the intersection of the creator economy and technology. Each week, we cover the latest in creator strategies and the startups helping them grow, monetize, and engage their audiences. Joining us this week, we have Jonas from Stax, who's a co-founder and the head of artist relations. Uh, Jonas, thank you for joining us. Well, thank you for having me. Beautiful. Thank you so much. Can you sort of just uh, you know introduce yourself and give sort of a little bit of your background in regards to Stax and maybe previously before that? For sure, absolutely. So yeah, my name is Jonas Selberg. I've been in the music industry more than, well, around 30 years, I would say. Even I hear myself saying that every time it tracks the fact that I'm getting very old. But yeah, I've been in the industry for a long time. I've done, dealt with everything from selling novelty CDs to to being a manager and creating and developing artists. Uh, worked in record labels, booking artists, been part of big festivals and yeah i've done pretty much covering every aspect of the music industry my whole life so and i'm a fan of music i'm a collector i collect tons of vinyls and and very hardcore music fans in all all different in all different ways and forms i would say so that's kind of the foundation of the whole thing and to jump quickly into what Stacks is, Stacks formed, the company formed uh, about four years ago and originated actually from an idea of, of a friend of mine, Jimmy Ulberger, who is the founder of the company that had an idea that he came to me with and said, well, I like to, you know, hand out more money to the music industry. I'd like to create a company that could uh, potentially stream uh, DJ sets and could potentially stream various kinds of, of digital music. And to me, the idea was kind of, well, that sounded like YouTube and, and kind of, well, didn't really resonate really with I was and what I came from from the music industry. And I, I should tell you, at the time when I was approached, I was kind of fed up with the industry. I had done it for such a long time and I couldn't really see a future. But, well, <laughs> four years later, here I am and, and we created this company now, which is, well, the foundation and the, the core part of Stacks is an SVOD service for live music and, and documentaries, and that's recorded live music, of course. Uh, we are today a team of 11 people uh, out of Stockholm, Sweden. We have a couple of people working as uh, consultants around the world as well, helping us develop and helping us uh, gain attraction for, for the Stacks idea. Wow. Okay. That's, that's actually really cool. I mean, I, I come from management, so I see, I see a lot of, of value in that type of approach to uh, copyright or, or any type of sound recording because you have artists that sort of, as they mature in their career, they have so much in their catalog that they can sort of use to monetize or have a secondary revenue. So that's, that's actually really cool. And I also like that you guys are doing documentaries because I can never get enough uh, of music. <laughs> It's kind of the backbone in your whole in your whole interest of music, I would say. I think that documentaries and books and stories about music, storytelling, that's what this is all about. We're, I mean, you know, you got to keep in mind that Stax is, I'm a fan of music. Teddy is a fan of music and the whole team are music people. Even if we're in a tech team and, and you know, I have to kind of, understand and, and cope with the fact that i'm you know driving a tech team and driving a tech startup i would still you know first and foremost i'm i'm a fan of music and that is literally what we're trying to build 
uh, a streaming service where you can find all those concerts and documentary that you either heard about or maybe you attended the concert. We want to extend that life. We want to extend that fact of having, you know, fans of this um, this material, you know, resonate with the fact that they can not only see it on, on linear TV, now they can have a stream streaming service that operates in that kind of that area and towards the music industry that is of course like you said that's a way of monetizing income making income from material that most of the time when that's the fact that we understood that you know collecting collecting masters over the last four years the fact that few of the major labels or, or any of them really has a, a full grasp of what type of catalog they have but the team we have could actually tell some of the master owners what they have in the vaults which is really cool and it's like you know it's like digging for treasures in, in one way which is if you're a record collector you understand exactly what, what what i mean and and you know yeah so it's this is an amazing it, it is an amazing journey with that we're undertaking at the moment yeah, and I, I think that that's uh, to the point about you uh, that you made about you know letting labels know what they like what they have in catalog because oftentimes they don't I mean there's just a sheer breadth of of content or things in their catalog that they don't even know that they have or if they do know they have it they don't know what to do with it I think that's a great approach for business development too as as, as a startup right like letting them know what they have or sort of if you have something there and like what you could possibly do with it with stacks well it is like that and I mean much of the stuff that we've touched in the very beginning is of course recording that has been out on DVDs and was shown to to public to TV and and others under kind of streaming services but it was never compiled in such a way that we're doing it because again i'm coming here with a fan thing but it is really a very important part of it because what we're trying to do is to pick out the best ones the ones we really believe are the ones the fans will both see themselves in and and can resonate with what we're doing but also to tell them a story because i i could probably you know name a, a lot of talent that we have in the platform that began with one artist and, and you know kind of run down the way with another one and another artist and another recording in another concert and he tells like a full story and you know if they're successful they will have a documentary so i like fans of and, and people you know subscribing to our service to fall down the rabbit hole of sorts to understand that the vast catalog that we are offering will never end for them you know the storytelling of this is just you know endless in that point i, I like that take on it just going down a rabbit hole i feel like that's exactly what the type of experience you have as a fan when you go to like a record store right like you just you, you know you go in for one record you end up buying three others or discovering new artists so I like that approach. Exactly like that. And we try to, in a way, I mean, Frederick, one of our, our partners, often says that we're the exclusive record store. But the difference is we're not an angry clerk behind the desk telling you to, to sort off. We are the guys, you know, offering and guiding you to the catalog that we have. And, and many of the people that come into our store probably have experience and, and know exactly what they like and have a specific taste both in music and what type of documentaries and and, and um, concerts they like but you know rest assured they will probably find a lot of other stuff that they didn't really know that they they like to have and here here's the funny part and here's the great part of, of running a, a tech company is the fact that you could really use the technology in your favor and especially the favor of, of the fans of this 
so you get um you know you get ideas and you get pointers to what direction to take next and very many of the streaming services out there of course have recommendations our recommendations are built around the fact that we are picking out the titles we are picking out the ones it's not like spotify where there's like 50 60 000 titles per day being uploaded i i would i would assume or, or think in my i mean my wildest dream at the at the height of us i don't think we will have 60 000 titles in, overall but that comes from the fact that we don't want to take away titles we we want to add titles that make sense to the storytelling it makes sense to the fans of this yeah because an artist and fan relationship is is very intimate right and when you're watching the type of content that stacks has it's very much a, a nostalgia feeling if they're already connected to the artist right so so what you're serving for folks in terms of content you don't want to do it in mass you want to have that like human element to the curation to make sure that like the quality stays there yeah and you know looking at times we're in right now i mean one of the biggest drivers that record labels are monetizing from is the fact of catalog music i mean it's it's amazing to see queen at the top of the uk chart are 25 years after the last record and that's just a given there are new fans to this you know well documented concert and they will always be fans of quality stuff and will always be fans of long form and documentary that's telling the story but you got to do it in such a way that you don't tell people that you, we have everything from the start this will be continuous work that will take time to you know get everything and, and to get all the stuff that we want in i mean we are doing at the moment a lot of negotiations around the world from fantastic material and every time you meet with someone new and you tell them about stacks they think well isn't this service already around how will this be different and every time you tell them the story of the handpicking and the choosing of, of those items that are important to fans you know the 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 circle becomes round they understand what we mean which is really cool and a lot of times I don't need to finish the sentence. People do that for me. And I think in my world, and I'm, you know, I'm not trying to be cheeking anyway here now, but I think that is a, a proof of that we're onto something um, really big, hopefully. Yeah. And I, I think that that's a really good point too about, about sort of, you know, people assume that these types of services already exist, right? Just because, you know, it, depending on the age bracket that you fall into, you either grew up with MTV where it was predominantly started with music and ended with bad reality shows <laughs> or <Exactly>. you have, <laughs> or you have things these days. I think the thing out here that might be the most the most thing that you could compare it to is probably like a uh, audience direct or something like that out here in the U S where they just show live concerts, right? They don't do catalog. They, they, they do, you know, they make deals with artists and then the artists air their concerts at after they recorded the show. So I think, right. you know, in terms of catalog, it's, it's a really great idea because every, like you mentioned, Queen is an example. Um, there's a few artists that I've worked with personally where, you know, catalog really helps the frontline releases also when they come out or yep. they record new material. So it's, it's an interesting effect, but I am curious with regards to negotiating the content or, or rights for that, you know, how, how does that process work for you guys? Because I think for most people, when they think of catalog or they think of working with, you know, artists of the stature of Queen or, or any or any type of artist, it kind of, in my mind, it, it, the word nightmare comes up. <laughs> well, of course, there's different sides to this. I think that the approach that we had from the very beginning was we was very careful with saying too much. 
and having two big words to say that we're going to revolutionize the industry and really emphasizing on the fact that we were building this again now for fans. And to some extent, I think that nobody has really done it in, in the way we're doing it from the approach that we're trying to not negotiate deals that are exclusive to our platform. By picking out those titles from master owners, we tell them pretty much what we want to have and we can present to them an idea with their catalog where we are distributing that catalog non-exclusive. So in a way, they're not offering it. You know, they're not risking anything. Hopefully down the line, we could do exclusive deals, which we, and we already done exclusive deals, especially for artists, Swedish artists that we recorded ourselves. But you got to start building this. So you, I mean, I, and we're saying in the press release that we were going to become the home of concert, but that has to go to show for that we have enough titles and we present kind of an, a vast catalog where people can really say, well, there's, this is the home of concert. But in terms of negotiations, we've been very well received from, from very many ends. And I think it comes to what you started saying about monetizing material that up until we came along, there were actually set in boxes in, in the basement of the record label, pretty much. There, of course, are companies that on a regular basis do licenses around the world, but mainly to TV and, and TV stations and, and they do DVDs and so on. There's nobody that's grasping this whole area and trying to you know, organize this as one SWOT service as taxers are doing. I think that's a really good point. I also really like that it's non-exclusive. So it takes almost away that barrier of entry, right? So you don't have to worry about having to get clearances for every single aspect. I, I, I think that's a really brilliant approach with regards to the content. I mean, I feel like that's like the best, that's like the best approach. I'm actually kind of in shock because I think that that's such a smart move. Well, you know, after 30 years in the industry and, and what my partners are alongside this, of course, there's a lot of things that you learn during the process that you cannot, you can't, you know, Rome wasn't built in one day. And that really goes to show for the music industry in many different ways. But one of the things to add to that conversation is the fact also that having an idea about collectively putting everything on one streaming service, not doing it non-exclusive, and also adding the kind of special royalty payment system that we have, of course, will, well, we are one of the first companies that has a, a user-centric deal with, with Universal and Mercury. And uh, to those who aren't familiar with user-centric is the fact that out of the two thirds that we give away for, for the royalty, the user-centric model is based around the fact that it's time spent. So the time you spend on the platform, that money is divided amongst the artists that particular person are looking at. So if you're only looking at Bob Dylan or Bruce Springsteen or Queen, well, if those are the three concerts you are looking at that month, that's where the money goes to. So no black box money. We don't collect anything. We don't do any deals with record labels where they own portions of us or anything like that. So we're trying to be as fair as we possibly can, both for the artist as well as the, as somebody subscribing to the service. I like that. I also like that, that you guys aren't owned by a major label because historically, as we can see with Spotify or other DSPs yeah. out there, it makes it really hard. Uh, I think sometimes with regards to content and things like that, just the structure of the platforms. But I, the, I, I do think yeah. um, that, that your guys' focus on content is great. I know that you mentioned that you guys are doing, you know, obviously recorded live shows and documentaries, but can you sort of elaborate on the documentary side, what you guys are doing in regards to creating that type of content? 
Well, we haven't really, apart from one documentary that was actually sold to a TV station, we haven't done any documentaries ourselves. But I mean, in, in my imagination, you know, once we are having this set on road and once we are you know, launching this and we're coming to more territories, of course, documentaries will be one thing that I think is is very crucial of the storytelling that I was talking about before. But I mean, we're looking at and documentaries can come come in so many different forms and shapes, which are so cool. It could be music related movies. Eventually, it could be actually music videos to some extent as well. But you got to be careful with the steps you're taking presenting this because we are now aiming to do the asphalt for for live concerts or documentary as well so you got to be careful what the next next step is one of the big step next steps that we are going to do this year everything works out will be to also tap into the live stream part but um that is something that we will do roll out further down the road for stacks yeah that makes perfect sense so then you don't have to worry about negotiating or, or with anybody for access because it's stuff that you're creating that's great yeah, and once you do a live show, that could be catalog music eventually and end up still being an, at our platform, which we think is very important. Yeah, I think also, you know, I, I know you mentioned working with Universal and Mercury. Are there any situations where, you know, you can see artists coming to you directly if they sort of own their own IP or, or obviously like any sort of rights? Well, like, like I was saying about the royalty system and the way we pay royalties and the way we do business is of course doesn't exclude anyone that is the good thing and the you know the favor of of having a user-centric model and also given the fact that if you have your concert on youtube the picture part of it won't be covered it's only audio and it's you know you know blessed somebody says of, of a lot of advertisements i mean you know i i wouldn't i wouldn't have it that way we will never have ads on our platform in any shapes or forms for sure but we will also like to pay royalties in such a way that we accommodate facts of any artist or any or organizer or any recorder of any both documentary and, and concert in any way and form and shape it doesn't have to be the major labels that we actually do deals with and major labels probably would in the end have five seven percent of all the catalog we will have on the platform we're more interested in anyone really that can present something to us that people have seen once or never seen and we're also investing in, in stuff that will come further down the line with, with artists and record labels. So we don't have to exclude anyone in, in, in that sense. And I think that's a fair way of doing deals these days as well, trying to go away from having the three majors owning everything, having the biggest TV stations or production companies around the world telling people what to see. I mean, this is 2021, you know, streaming service has now been around for, for more than 10 years and people are used to having their own way with streaming. And that's what we're trying to tap into, not trying to do too many things or too quickly, but being very honest about what position we have within the industry. Yeah. And I think you, to your point about people sort of being used to streaming services now, you know, they're, they're used to having a sort of user experience with regard to the content that's serviced to them, how it's recommended. Is there, with all the content that you will have on Zacks, is there an internal process to what you think would be a good fit for the platform and what you think wouldn't be? Because there's sort of a wide breadth of live content, right? Like these days, especially with live streams, I guess, is there like a quality check mark or like Twitter's a of like a verified check mark what is the 
content curation component look like? I guess, how would you be able to sort of determine, does this fit our platform and will it resonate with folks that are users of Stacks? That's a great question. And I, I wouldn't be able really to answer this this soon into the process of what we're doing. I mean, we originally started looking at, well, the biggest concerts, the most famous ones, the ones people knew about. But as we are digging and as we are going deeper and deeper to the rabbit, rabbit holes around the world of content, you experience new stuff every day that amazes you to get your hairs on your arms to stand straight up and you go, we got to have this. And I think for us, it comes from what we like and what we've seen out of the experience, what we understand so far that people would like to see. But who knows? And that is the funny part of this. That's just the amazing part of this. You will never know. You will never know, even if you write a hit single or you record a fantastic documentary or record an amazing concert, you will never know if that is the concert that will take off. You can't really say. And if you would know that, I, I think this whole journey wouldn't be as interesting and funny. It's kind of playing in the, in, in the dark a bit with this. And I, I'm fine with that. And the rest of the team are. It is more about goosebumps never lie. You get that feeling and you feel like, wow, we got to have this. I love to show this to my to my team. And once you do, you see the reaction of the team. And that is in the beginning of this journey enough, I would say. And further down the line, of course, we have to look at what the data would say of those concerts we're picking. What will the data say of, of how people consume the stuff that we have on the platform as well? So it is a journey that will never end. And that is, I, I would say that's the most interesting part of all this. Yeah, the way you're describing this, I, I keep smiling like a, a giddy, a school child, is because it sort of reminds me of like a crate digger, right? Like you go to try to find some piece of vinyl or a record or an album in, in a crate on like a Saturday at a flea market, and you just find all of this great stuff that you've never heard of before. Yeah. And I really like that. I, I like that type of user experience because everything these days is so, so touched upon by like an algorithm or not a human element of curation or not as much as you would like, I think. And music for a lot of people is a very personal experience, right? Like, a, yes, going to a live show is a group experience and, and reliving that through content is great, but also music is so personal and you always want to have some type of human touch on it. So I think that that's, that's, that's really cool. I, I geek out during these interviews sometimes. <laughs> no, I love that. And I get you, I, you know, you, we have the same soul, you and me. It's just totally the same. I mean, it, it goes to show that once you go into a record store, and even if, if you haven't got much money on your pocket and you find something, that piece will stay with you for the rest of the, for your life. And it, it's the same thing with recordings. People spent money on that vinyl. They spent money on that concert and money on that DVD that became a documentary. And eventually I can now collect those things. And maybe that's the filter. Maybe that's your previous question gets answered there. The fact that they, they somebody made, made the journey with that production and made the journey and, and invested all that money into something that they thought they would have an audience. And all of a sudden, if that attracts enough attention in the team of course as a start that will be the same thing as you collecting records somewhere in la or london or stockholm or, or helsinki or wherever you might be because there's gems all around the world and that's you know now i'm getting emotional because this is the emotional part of all this yeah. which is so cool 
I, I was just giddy because I, I was thinking about going record digging in Helsinki or Sweden, and I look forward to discovering some very cool bootlegs at some point in the near future. I think, you know, you there's a lot of very cool stores in Helsinki. Uh, I, I, I've heard so many stories. I'm really excited. Yeah. I do think, though, that with what Stax is trying to tackle, not necessarily tackle, but I think what it's bringing to the market, how do you see the demand? I mean, obviously, there, there are certain things that are happening around the world that sort of make live music a huge thing that people, I think, are looking forward to across the globe. With that type of movement sort of, ha- and, and with all due respect to sort of what the situation that the entire world's been experiencing, you know, do you see that there is a, a larger demand or more interest in Stax because people sort of miss that live experience and they are they're looking for that type of content or do you think that that's going to play into your strategy a little bit well it could be both ways i would say i mean x the the whole covid situation around the world which is horrible and everybody has experienced that globally in so many different ways and tro- forms i mean finally getting my shot in a couple of weeks here now is finally vitamin okay what will that mean and, and that's great but I wouldn't say, I mean, Stacks didn't start previous of COVID. And I, I said that the whole idea from the very beginning was actually to take something analog and make it digital, make it available for more people in a streaming service. And we, of course, would need tons of more concerts to be recorded because that's part of our DNA. That's part of what we do. And we don't want to exclude anything. I think that a service, what we're trying to build, would never stop having live shows in any form or shape we want that more and, and than ever we work with a lot of the live companies as well in order to make them to record stuff but what's important to understand here is the fact that what stacks are doing is the last frontier when it comes to monetizing or given the chance of doing that with live with the live scene and so many different companies out there are trying the live stream part what you have to understand with that is that you have to talk to that audience over and over again each time you do a new stream with a new artist you have to start the whole pr and the whole marketing all over again i have an audience to talk to i have an i have a catalog to present to my audience and once we are ready to do live streams we can communicate and we can use data we can use experience and the ghost you know the ghost bomb feeling of picking that right artist to, to stream that will both emphasize what we do as well as making that artist a live stream then later on becoming a catalog product so we kind of fill the whole gap i would say yeah i think those are all very good points and i i do see obviously that like stacks is very much different than than what's out there i i do have a question though in terms of sort of how like we've talked a lot about content and sort of the curation process and and what stacks is accomplishing or hoping to accomplish um, later, obviously, as you scale. But how how will the content be distributed? Is it going to be sort of like a VOD approach? Will the people go to a website? Will there be like an app on their Roku TV to stream it at home? How does that element of all of this work or going to work, I should say? Well, we would cover every single one of those apps that you mentioned. Of course, we're starting with, with the mobile apps Android and Apple, as well as TV apps, as well as an, a, a web platform as well. So you can use it on your computer, you can use it on your mobile, and as well as an Apple TV and, and Chromecast. So we're covering every one of those. And later going into to the specified, the LDs and the Samsung apps and all those things. But that's further down the line. But we don't want to exclude any of those. We think the experience of this, of course, we, we I think the best experience would always be with great sound and a big picture. But it doesn't necessarily 
will be that an, uh, and that somebody subscribing to our service have all those uh, possibilities. So mobile is, of course, something in your pocket. And, and that will probably be the first device of, of people using the service, at least knowing about news and so on that we do. Got it. Okay. And, and I have one last question about the content, just because I am very curious on this aspect. Uh, when now, when you get the material, yeah. is there, I mean, a lot of times when I, when I've approached catalog or, or anything that's previously been recorded live, obviously you have all the content already cut and done and stuff like that. Are you guys touching any of the audio at all in remastering it or anything like that? Or is it just, they're sort of giving it to you and then you just put it up on the platform. Like, is there any remastering or, or cuts of the original footage or anything like that? Well, not to give away too much, but we're, we're talking to quite a lot of those major companies of names that are been around for a long time when it comes to audio and visual. But when it comes to distributing other people's material, you got to be careful. And I think it comes also to some extent that using today's technology for streaming what we are showing also highlights and, and ups the quality in both picture and audio without doing too much. And enter the service, we have the, the qualities cut up in five different qualities. So whatever whatever device you're using, you will always get the highest quality. Now, of course, if there's a show from the 60s, we don't want to temper with that too much. We're going to be careful about what that recording was. We're not zooming in the picture. We're not doing too much to it. What we're trying to do is to use the tech as a um, as a help of, of you or as a guide for you to actually experience in the best possible way there will be of course uh, concerts and documentary that we later on will look into how to up the sound but you got to be careful it's you know it's always artist written consent of those things and it we're talking about negotiation that's that's a rabbit hole of negotiations that could go on forever so no, we don't do anything. At, the, at this moment, we don't do anything special with the sound and, and the picture. I think that's fantastic. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, I love it. Because most, most times when people release, when they re-release things, they always remaster it and you, and you lose a lot of the magic, right? You lose a lot of magic with the original recording or performance in this case. And yeah. I, I think that it's refreshing that, to hear that. I like, I like that uh, so much. <laughs> that makes me so happy. Yeah, we think yeah. so too. Yeah, I, I think that, you know, yeah. that's a really good point of like you're doing shows that are have already passed at some point. Somebody who is a fan of that artist who's coming to Stax to watch that show, they're going to expect to hear it a certain way. And you don't want to change it around too much, you know, with regard to like the original recording. So I think that's that's really I like that. I like I like the preservationist component of, of you know, keeping it true to the music and true to the original. I like that a lot. Right. And I think the, the last question that I have is less focused on how awesome Stacks is and more focused on, you know, you guys are tackling, you know, I see a few components of like things that you can do with rights for catalog, putting up a, a service that is strictly focusing on like live or documentaries around that. What would your advice be for folks that are trying to get into this space, whether it, not necessarily maybe music, entertainment in general, what would your advice be if you could give advice to somebody who was like, how do you navigate that type of environment with regards to like any facet that a startup might face? I think a start of anything is a good idea. And a start of anything comes from your soul and the fact that you are willing to give up your whole life for something. And whatever you do in terms of music has always come from that. If you can invest enough time and invest enough soul in something that you really truly believe in that, you could also include more people to your vision, more people to what you're trying to do. 
and be, be you know be open-minded listen to people and listen to yourself and don't take too many advices you follow your dream in this and follow your kind of if you believe in it strongly you you could conquer mountains you could take things you know extremely far and you know i think today's the youth of today and the generations of the day especially when it comes to music i think it's a good thing in one way that the whole covid thing has happened because it kind of changes everything upside down it doesn't lay around in the same way i mean artists today can do somebody creative today can do everything by themselves of course if they will need to reach certain heights at a certain time they would probably need to involve other people with special skills but still it always comes from yourself it also always comes from you as an artist you as a performer or us as a, as a service if you can't if you don't believe in it yourself why should somebody else believe in it and i think that maybe it sounds geeky and, and corny in a way of following your soul but I, I really i really strongly believe in that i mean looking back at myself when i started in industry i had a dream of working with music and of course the path never goes the way you plan or had your vision for it but still later now i'm sounding like i'm 80 years old here now but later on in life it is really it comes down to those things i mean i'm back again now doing what i really love working with music working with great recordings and great documentaries and, and building this to be able to show that to other people and if i don't believe in it no one else will either i need to sell it and i think that's the best kind of guide you can get and best kind of tip you can get coming into industry Okay. That was a great piece of advice. I like the honestness and the transparency and just like the very good vibes that it sort of is is bringing. I like it a lot. Thank you for for doing this. I'm I'm very grateful and I thought that learning about the platform, I think it's I mean, I wish that this existed when I was working with artists that could take advantage of this type of service. I think it's it's really great. Cool. Well, thanks for having us. Very cool. Thank you so much and thanks for the kind words and your interest in this and you will see eventually our roads will cross again for sure.